All right, come back for one more segmente on Inside Black and Gold. I don't think that's how you say segment in other languages, but I'm going to go with it. I'm Jeff Nowak, Jeff underscore Nowak on Twitter, and Steve Geller over there at Steve Geller WWL. Check it out. Check us out at WWL.com. Latest content, all that sports talk, 4 to 8 p.m. on WWL AM 870, FM 105.3, and always for free on the Odyssey app. Just like this podcast, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. We're doing this because we love you. It's kidding. I don't know you, but it's fine. All right. So speaking of people that we love, Chris Richard and Ryan Nielsen, some of our best friends on this uh, on this franchise. And that's not true, but we do talk to them a lot as media members. And the reason that is, is coordinators are made available, or at least this year they were made available once a week on Thursdays. We would talk to Pete Carmichael, and then we would talk to one of Ryan Nielsen or Chris Richard. They got to split that duty. And that was the probably one of the few perks of their <laughs> kind of strange co-defensive coordinator situation where Dennis Allen was effectively the defensive coordinator. He called the place. And then you had two guys who were effectively position coaches but called defensive coordinator. And so they kind of split that duty, and neither of them had the responsibility. They never got held to the fire, although Ryan Nielsen did get fined $50,000 for being Cam Jordan's coach on those fake injury things, which – the Saints are appealing this week, so we'll, we'll kind of find out how that goes. And so it kind of, you know, we talked to Dennis Allen about it, and it was like, well, you know, I think it worked out pretty well. Like, we might run this back next year. But one of the things that comes up when you have this co-defensive coordinator situation is that getting hired into a full defensive coordinator role would technically be a promotion. Hmm. And that's relevant because... Coaches that are under contract, if other teams want to interview them for what would be considered a lateral move, so for example, your linebacker's coach going to interview for the Broncos linebacker's coach job, the Saints could block that, right? They can't in this situation. And so the Falcons have requested to interview Ryan Nielsen for their defensive coordinator position because Dean Pease, if you remember Dean Pease, the guy who got run over by Rashid Shahid prior to that week 15 game, has retired. He said he didn't retire because of that, but it probably didn't help. And then the Panthers, who still don't have a head coach, have requested to interview Chris Bouchard, which I don't know if I've ever seen a defensive coordinator hired before a head coach, which is odd in and of itself. But it might be a situation where if we hire Sean Payton, would you be interested in being our and our defensive coordinator? That right? definitely feels so, like that for sure. Yeah. Or maybe they are going to try to keep Steve Wilkes on. And and Steve Wilkes said, hey, I like Chris Bouchard, right? So maybe that's what's going on. But like the the reason that can happen and the Saints can't do anything about it, is because neither of those coaches are in the defensive coordinator role. And I think when you look back at it and you say, man, this is really inconvenient, it's like, man, maybe we shouldn't have done this. Because I don't see who it benefited. You just didn't want either one to leave, but you eventually, you effectively made it so both of them could leave this year. Yeah, and I, you know what? That was something that I was a question going into the year, obviously. How is that all going to unfold with Dennis and essentially two more defensive coordinators. You had like a triangle of defensive coordinator input coming in. Was there going to be any kind of regression? And I think that the defense was pretty on par all season, except for some late-game situations that we've talked about, obviously. But for the most part, I think that the defense got better as the year went along also. And the secondary in, in particular got better as the season went along. And I was going to say, if there was a problem, though, all year, definitely I would say along the defensive line, either finding that complementary defensive end or even in the middle at defensive tackle seemed to be your 
your biggest sore spots with the with the unit as a whole. Yeah, and a lot of the players who got brought in were were, were Ryan Nielsen guys, right? Like Cantavia Street was an Absolutely. NC State guy, yeah. Ryan Nielsen. So like he built that line in his own vision, so he gets held accountable for it. I, you know, I'm not blaming him for Marcus Davenport. I think Marcus Davenport is a very unique situation. I don't think his mental makeup just really works, but and that's kind of where you are. But I will say that you know, all that said, if you asked me, so obviously they're co-defensive coordinators they're on the same line but if you asked me who was second in command to Dennis Allen in terms of the defense I would say Ryan Nielsen in part because he's been there longer but second because in the preseason when you when when they were kind of deciding who their backup play caller was they went with Ryan and and he's also just kind of always spoken with more authority about the defense as a whole Chris Richard is kind of a platitudes guy. I've said this before, not platypus, platitudes. And it's like you ask him a question, he's going to give you kind of the cliched answer of like this. And like, I like Chris Richard. I think he's really, really sharp. And he does give you like very authoritative answers. I but appreciate- yeah, I never felt like I was getting the truth out of him. It was more like, it's like, this is the rah-rah information, but I like, I don't need to get fired up right now. And I'm sure you could fire me up. I'm sure you could do it, Chris. But I need you to just tell me the the information and I, I never I didn't always feel like you were getting that from him and and you know I don't know maybe that does resonate in the locker room better than it than it does to the media so I'm not going to pretend that I know what's going on in there but if I'm the Saints and I have to pick between one of those two coordinators I I, I think they would lean to Ryan Nielsen and but, but at the longer. same time if he wants to go to the Falcons because they're going to make him you know, Arthur Smith is the offensive guy, right? So if he wants to go to the Falcons, because they're going to basically make him the rock star of that defense, maybe they don't have a chance at Ryan Nielsen because I don't think Dennis Allen is going to give up play calling on the defensive side. That's a great point there. Why not have a chance to go wherever it is and make a name for yourself instead of still riding as basically Dennis Allen's assistant? If you, you know, you're still going to look at him as it's not Ryan Nielsen. It's not Chris Richard's defense. It's still going to be Dennis Allen's defense when he is the head coach right it's the it's the same issue that you that eric b has run into every year yeah, of, exactly you right. know it's like are you just in a product of andy reed because you don't call the plays right and so you know if if you're if you're a guy who wants to be a head coach and you're sitting there like like the Pete carmichael to sean payton right has Pete carmichael ever been really giving credit for all these offenses no when it's good it goes the credit goes to sean payton or at least, you know, it had when, you know, obviously they were a duo, right? And so that's the same thing, right? With the Saints could have the best defense in the NFL. DA is going to get the credit for that. It's not going to be Ryan Nielsen. So if I'm a guy who wants to be a head coach someday and my, the way I can stand out is by leaving and going to be in charge of a defense where I will never get that opportunity on this staff, you know, I, I might do it. And the only reason that he's able to do that is because you kind of went this weird half ham route, made that word up, of not really giving him a job that that he probably has worked for and deserved. And so I, I don't know. Like, I think that's going to, you know, like people are going to give the Saints grief for not firing Pete Carmichael fast enough, which yeah. is like, get out of here. Like, I don't, I, I think that's so dumb. I feel like that pressure seems to be growing just because of all the open offensive coordinator jobs that are now open. Yeah, but if they fired him today, they would be on par with all of those people. Like, Oh, exactly, right. Like the thing is, like until the playoffs kind of get going, you don't even know what that picture is going to look like. And so, what what benefit do you have of like not talking? Like anyway, we can get into that a little bit more. But like, I think when you look back, you know, the decision to not really hire a defensive coordinator last year 
it could be what burns them this year. Because what happens if Sean Payton does want Chris Bouchard as his defensive coordinator? Yeah. And Chris Bouchard can now effectively go wherever he wants because it would be a promotion. And then Ryan Nielsen says, you know what? I like the Falcons situation better. I'm going to go, I'm going to go be the defensive coordinator for the Falcons so I can be the defensive play caller. And then you effectively lose both of your potential defensive coordinators because you wouldn't give either one the job. Well, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's, that's tough because then it's like two, do you, are you going to, is then it's going to turn to somebody in house, which what I would imagine would be the case. Who want, who are you going to bring in from outside to be your quote unquote DC when everybody knows it is the head coach? Yeah. I think you'll be able to retain one of them. I would be surprised if you can retain both in that co- in the co-role. I think you're going to have to make a decision on one. Sure, right. And again, it's it's interesting because I would I would probably say like now Ryan Nielsen would be the pick, but I would also say that Ryan Nielsen is most likely to leave because I don't think the Panthers are going to be able to sign Chris Richard. But he, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Richard gets interviewed by by other teams. He's been a defensive coordinator before, and he's been a good one. Like he was he was the secondary coach. For the Legion of Boom, right? Like that Seattle defense that was like revered around the NFL for so many years, that was him. He was the defensive coordinator for at least the, the tail end of it. And he was the secondary coach for a majority of it. So like, like he's got some cachet around this league. And so who knows? But I, I do think that it's when you when you look back on it, I think the Saints will regret doing that because it's not a situation. You want to know who your staff is. Like now they are in a position where people are saying, well, why haven't they fired Pete Carmichael yet? Well, they're trying to evaluate because they want to figure out not only what they have in Pete Carmichael. And even if they've already kind of resigned themselves to the fact that he's going to be, they're going to move on from him. He's got staff under him, right? So what are you doing at wide receivers coach? What about the offensive assistants? What about this and that? Like he's the guy who knows all the information he's been working with them. So he's part of that evaluation process. If you fire him, then you're effectively saying, well, we're going to make this, we're going to figure this out for ourselves. And that doesn't make sense either. So like there is a benefit to doing it amicably and to doing it thoughtfully. And that's what the Saints are doing. I had someone tweet at me this morning with the quote tweeted like, oh, the fucks fired Byron Leftwich 12 hours after they lost to the playoffs. And he was like, this is how you do it. And I was like, oh yes, the Bucks, the model franchise that we should all aspire to. Get out of here. Like people are going to tell me that the Bucks are doing it the right way. The Bucs basically handed Tom Brady the keys to the plane. Tom Brady flew it straight up in the air, and he's about to jump out with a parachute. And everyone's going to try to tell you, well, the people that have been the back in the back, the passengers, are they can fly that plane. Like They cannot fly that plane. It's going to be a disaster. And congratulations, you had one really good season, one season, and one bad season that ended up in the playoffs in a blowout. And now you are, you are going to crash and burn, and you're going to be bad for a long freaking time. And so, like, that's not this example of a model franchise. That's the example of a franchise that's just, like, going where the wind blows them. And and the Saints aren't doing that. And so I'm not going to blame a team for doing that. No, and, you know, the general reaction from everybody is obviously for everything. It seems to be fire them, move on, cancel, whatever you want to say. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure if these defensive moves could affect even would you want to keep a coach like Carmichael around just because there is that quote unquote continuity of somebody that's familiar with the saints way of doing things. If you end up losing both, you know, Richard and, and Nielsen. So it just, there's a lot of things that still, obviously we're waiting for to unfold. It's just amazing of how much interest in the NFC South. I mean, do we see, do we see the Buccaneers get involved 
at all in this Sean Payton experiment. Do you think that could be a possibility? Would be interesting to see if they would want to target Sean at all. But no, I mean, Brady's leaving, so that maybe not over there. And again, again, if you were going to fire Todd Bowles, I think you would have just done that because then it's like you're just cleaning house anyway. It's very similar to the Chargers. That's true. I don't think you would go the route of like you're you're not asking for unnecessary unpleasantness. If you were going to fire the head coach, you wouldn't have already fired the offensive coordinator unless like there was something crazy going on, which who knows? Maybe there was. It sounds like they were ready to fire Byron Leftwich midseason. And again, and it's another example of like one of the reasons the Saints can be thoughtful and take their time is because it's not a toxic situation. Right. Which I'm pretty sure you could say it probably was for the for the Bucks, right? Sure, like, like you it, don't right. fire your offensive coordinator really? hours after the season ends right. and say like, oh, it was fine until like 8 p.m. last night and then it all went to shit. No, the writing has been on the wall there for a while. And he knows that. The players know that. The other coaches know that. The front office knows that. And so like, the ability to just say, hey, guys, let's take a breath. Let's come back next week, and we're going to work it all out. People say that's lazy. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> lazy is the other way. <laughs> you want the Doing more work is not lazy. <laughs> I don't know. It's just stupid. The, People just like to complain. It does feel like, though, that it, it, would, uh, it would appear that the Saints would make a change at offensive coordinator. I'm not saying that Carmichael is safe. I guess f- folks are just wanting – the hatchet already, you know, to come down kind of thing to, to reassure them that we're not going to go through the same offensive pain next year. Yes. I think that's <laughs> what it is. It's like people are, are equating not doing it immediately with not doing it at all. Yeah. Now, if they got to the off, if they, if they decided to keep them, then I would be just as critical as everybody else, <laughs> but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to, you know, jump over a barrel to, to be like, how dare they not fire this guy instantly? He's been on the he's been on the team for 17 years. You don't think this is maybe an emotional situation for everyone involved? Like, I mean, come on. And so, like, again, like, I think they will move on from him, but who knows? He didn't I don't think he really wanted to be the offensive coordinator at all. Maybe he does want to stick around in a different role. It right? never felt like that way either. There, he unfortunately had to talk to us every week. Yeah, he didn't want to. <laughs> there was no co-offensive coordinator. I assure you. He dreaded that <laughs> every time he was walking out there. Like, God damn, I have to do it again. I never have to do this one. Like, he would go entire seasons without talking to us. Absolutely. <laughs> like, Absolutely. he would talk to us like one time in during training camp, and then that's it. And the draft, <laughs> and, and that was it. <laughs> no difficult questions. The offense could have been terrible, and no one would have ever, no one would ever mentioned his name. Dream job, right? No, to me, the the biggest one this year, and I think we all felt bad for him. Thursday in London. Jameis Winston's supposed to practice. That, of course, is the day that Dennis Allen does not speak. So Carmichael's just left there dangling at the podium all by himself trying to explain the thing. Yeah, poor guy. Never had a chance. That's why you get the big bucks. But all right, yeah, so that's I think that's going to wrap it up for us on this episode, which, you know, like, yeah, the big questions right now looming out there, who's going to really go all in on Sean Payton? What's the actual compensation going to be? And then past that, what's going to happen with the defense? Offensive coordinators who are interviewing elsewhere and what's going to happen at offensive coordinator where you're still evaluating and people are, are mad about it. Like we're not, those are the questions. And this is a coaching staff that needs to kind of figure it out. And I think that the only mistake you can make right now is pretending that everything was okay. Cause it wasn't. And so uh, that's, that's what I'd like to see. And hopefully over the next few days, we'll get answers on that one way or the other.
and I, I like the fact too that they are not being rushed into things no matter I don't feel like there's there's pressure on them from anybody honestly it's just maybe perception from fans thinking that the the front office is not doing anything to make changes yeah like they just don't care right they're just they're just uh playing call of duty with Colin Murray I don't know I mean maybe they are maybe that's how maybe that's how Mickey we I, I don't know much about Mickey's home life I, I but maybe that's how he gamer. decompresses is he 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 blows up some heads on call of duty I could see maybe Mickey doing paintball. I don't know about Call of Duty. You're right. Mickey seems more like a Sims guy. <laughs> that's how he makes. He actually has like a like a Sims NFL where <laughs> that's how he kind of he goes through his. Well, what if we did this? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, the Sim the Sims pooping on the floor. He's not happy. Um, I think that's a good place to end this. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks y'all for listening to Inside Black and Gold. Come back for the next episode. We're gonna go through we're a lot of games and stuff. On the floor. Pooping on the floor. Well, if you don't give them a bathroom, that's where they poop. Anyway, same as a cat. All right. Thanks, y'all. Be easy. No poop. <laughs>